Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Attention, nerds. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire The Riley and Kimmy Show. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show. They have a really good show. They're in the know. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show. He is appearing in Daytona Beach, Florida, today at the Daytona Beach Comic Con. That's George Lowe, the voice of Space Ghost. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi there. I am your host, Patrick Riley. I am the villain of the story. That's true. I am. And right next to me is... Kimmy! She is the worst person in the world. I've been with her for centuries. Things I've seen her do. Yes, I've seen many things and I have stories to tell. Stop by the Riley and Kimmy show table today at the Daytona Beach Comic Convention and I will tell those stories. It's a tell-all. So like one of those tell-all Hollywood books, Kimmy. Mm. I can tell all those stories. Goes both ways. And you have none to tell on me. I sure oh, do. I'm like the National Enquirer here. I have so many to tell on you. Yeah, I could write a book. You could not. I could too. <laughs> you could not. I have the stories. Stop on by. I will tell them to you. The reason we're talking about those stories is because we're spending our anniversary at one of the best places on planet Earth. And just a matter of fact, the best place to be spending it for your anniversary. And that's at the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention. Happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary. Yeah, stop on by, talk to Kimmy uh, on this anniversary and say hi there. By the way, the Riley and Kimmy Show has to say a big thank you going out to Jake Bates and also Tom Raup, the show promoters, for inviting the Riley and Kimmy Show to this fun nerd event, especially on our anniversary, right? Mm -hmm. And right now, I know he is extremely busy and I, I roped him to talk to the Riley and Kimmy show. That yeah. is Tom Rob. I am so honored and happy that he took a few moments out to talk to us. Tom, welcome to the Riley and Kimmy show. I, I can't believe you're taking the time to do this. I ha I always have time for the Riley and Kimmy show. And I know you're, you're quite busy because you're getting ready for the big, big nerd event happening on Sunday, November 13th. Yes, Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention. Um, it's going to be 120 plus tables. Uh, we have probably 55 different vendors okay. selling comics from the golden age to the present. Uh, we have 20-some different guests to meet uh, from the comic book business, writers, artists, creators, uh, 20 different, well, I guess we got media stars. Ooh. I have a little bit of everything here. You know, you actually do have, let's see, you got... Uh, two that were just recently on television, uh, Patty and Eric Waller. Yes, yes, Vicious Collectibles. Um, they are well known for being in a uh, bake-off or cakery sort of thing. A so baking show baking on television. show, there we go. <laughs> but they, they have Vicious Collectibles and they do Cupcake Zombies. Yes, and those will be available for gifts and all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, fun and chaos. Also, Joel D. Weinkoop, who we mentioned, movie director, actor. 
actor extraordinary and also one of our guys that's going to be running the costume contest along with the lovely Kimmy. Uh, yes, Kimmy is uh, back as a judge. Yes. Now, my question for you, I'm going I'm to throw a name out and I'm kind of curious who, what you would say I'm gonna with this artist. If if he's sketching, I think he is that day. What would you, if Tom was going up to get a sketch, Jim Fern? If I went up to see Jim Fern, um, I know he he worked on on Spider-Man, of course, uh, but he also worked at DC Comics on Fable. So I would probably get a character from Fable. I think that's a, a great great title, and there's some really cool characters in that book. Fantastic, and. So many different types of vendors you have there. Somebody's looking for maybe comic books, you know, Pop Culture Playgrounds there to name one. But there's other comic book dealers too, right? Yes, uh, many of the local stores that are going to be helping support the show. Um, we have World of Comics that's going to be there. We have Nerds Comics. Uh, for as far as comics, we also have people coming out of Georgia like Fine Comics. Uh, out of South Carolina will be uh, Bank Robbins. Um, he's comic whiz. So we, we have comic books from the golden age to the present. Uh, a lot of local Florida dealers, such as John from Past and Present Comics, uh, will also be set up there selling comics. We have collectibles. Your great friend Jim. Oh, Jim Car- Car- Carousel yep. Collectibles. Carousel Collectibles will be there. Along with him, Cliff's Books, uh, Dave Finley from Feed Your Imagination. Okay. So there's a lot of great stuff there. And let's i got to guess here. Do you think there will be some Doctor Strange items there? Because, you know, the movie's out, Doctor Strange stuff? Yeah, of course. Of course. There will be Doctor Strange stuff. A little bit of everything for everybody. And the entertainment, Phantasmagoria Orlando. Phantasmagoria Orlando will be there. Um, My understanding is they're going to be there for about two hours. They are going to be there to entertain, do a little bit of fire, a little bit of dance. So we have that. Cool. Again, you can come in. You can meet Joel. You can meet his wife, Kathy. Nice. Um, we have the Riley and Kimmy show, so you can come in and talk of all things nerds. There's a little bit of everything for everybody. Thanks, Tom, for being on the Riley and Kimmy show. Thank you, Tom. And thank you for inviting us to the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention. Be sure to, well, come out if you are in Florida. This event starts at 10 o'clock, goes until 4 a lot of fun activities going on for all ages. Matter of fact, we will be giving away stuff starting right at 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And we have a unique way to give away some items, a little bit different than we've done in the past. You can join in that fun starting at about 10 o'clock. That's right. I'll give you an opportunity to get through the door before I announce how we're giving it away. All right. And it, it, it will be fun. Right, Kimmy? Yes. I, I guarantee that. And speaking of fun, you have the chance, the opportunity to meet... Space Ghost today. That is George Lowe. If you untie me, I will. Hi, kids. Space Ghost here. You're listening to Riley and Kimmy on the Riley and Kimmy Show. Uh, can, can you just loosen the hand? Oh, that is heaven. We didn't tie him up. I guarantee it. He's, he, <laughs> he is there. He is at the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention. Stop on by. Say hi to him. He's at the Mike's Comics table today be sure to swing on by that's a mike's comics and the orlando toy and comic-con table not to be confusing this is one big happy get together that is not Kimmy, by the way that just did that uh that was humphrey ching artist humphrey ching who's helping the riley and Kimmy show today here at the daytona beach comic book convention (laughs) humphrey please be quiet yes he i wasn't going to announce this but humphrey is helping unofficially the riley and Kimmy show as you know, a part of our, you know, in the old days, they used to call the young ladies that used to help out at artist tables, they call them booth babes. Well, he's our booth babe artist today, just hanging out and 
and coughing like that. Lay off, <laughs> lay off the popcorn, buddy. Okay. Anyhow, Mike's Comics and Collectibles, the Orlando Toy and Comic Con, all get along with the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention. So stop on by. That's Mike's Comics booth, the Orlando Toy Comic Con's booth, and meet George Lowe. And by the way, they will be raffling off a signed exclusive San Diego Comic Con Space Ghost Funko Pop. This is extremely hard to find. We checked uh, before sitting down for episode 1052 and 1051. As far as we know, none are available anywhere. You will not be able to find this online. This is extremely rare. Get yours today. Your opportunity to possibly walk out of the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention with that pop could happen today. It, it's here today at the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention. By the way, George will be signing autographs in. You know, you can get a picture, too, I'm sure, with him as well. So stop on by his table. Say hi to George Lowe and many other people, by the way. You heard Tom talk about all the others that are here. So many talented people, artists, and so many great vendors. There's so many collectibles here, just different types of things that you can find. It's fun for all ages, and that's the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention. Cosplay contest, costume contest, open to all ages. Be sure to stop on by for that. Kimmy, you're going to be the judge of this event. You and uh, Joel D. Weinkoop, the director, movie actor, will mm-hmm. be doing that. And that. That is a fun time. We hope to capture that on video. By the way, be sure to check out our Facebook page and also our YouTube page and also our Twitter accounts and social media on our website because we'll be updating videos and photos throughout today on our website about this fun event that's happening in Daytona Beach florida today by the way also we're looking for people to sing and become part of the riley and kimmy show we'd like to add your version of our jingle make you a jinger that's what kimmy has labeled those who sing the jingle we'd like to uh we'd like to hear you sing out that jingle mm-hmm. whatever version you like to do it whatever style right kimmy that's right so stop on by or find us on the floor and we will record you singing that just like this talented person did recently. The Riley and Kimmy Show. That's the golden voice of Allie Dunn, who you can see today at the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention. Be sure to stop by Allie's table. She's with Martin Dunn. Allie is the nice one right there. She has (laughs) the golden voice. Say hello to her. Tell her you heard her singing on the Riley and Kimmy Show. We love her version, don't we, Kimmy? Yeah. And yes, Martin Dunn is there. They're coming to take me away, haha. They're coming to take me away, ho ho. Be sure to stop by Martin's table if you love comic books or thinking about getting into comic books, has some ideas, or you like puppets. Stop on by, talk to Martin. He's the man who does it all. Inker, writer, creator, illustrator. He's just a one-man publishing house. Creative very very creative stop on by see martin talk to ally have fun at their table that's martin dunn at the daytona beach comic book convention kimmy are you uh are you all energized for the rest of today mm, yes all that <laughs> and, and you're all excited uh-huh. all right by the way check out our website also our facebook page and other pages as well for videos of all the individuals who are appearing you'll be able to see videos we've had that we've uploaded a previous interviews to give you an idea of these guests in case you've never met them before or heard about them or seen them. They're all appearing today at the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention. You can see videos of Joel D. Weinkoop, the movie director and actor. We talked to him. Martin Dunn, also Patty Waller and Eric Waller of Vicious Collectibles. John Crowther, also George Lowe. 
and let's see Jeff Whiting as well. So be sure to check those out. Find links to our social media on our website. And what's our web address? Gimme RileyandKimmy.com. Gimme, would you like to play nerd and pop culture geek trivia on well, on this big Daytona Beach comic book convention day? Of course. <laughs> It is Sunday, November 13th, the day of the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention. The Riley and Kimmy Show is in Daytona, Florida. We look forward to seeing you. Kimmy, there are 48 days remaining until the end of the year, so this is a good time, a good opportunity to get that uh, holiday shopping in. If you're in Florida, head to the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention for that very unique item that you might be able to find. Hey, think about this. This is one of the best gifts you can give anybody. A sketch or an autograph or a signed comic book. That'd be so cool, right? Yeah, you know what? What? Supermoon is even coming. Ooh, ooh. Get that get that wolf bane out. Yeah. Supermoon. So, you know, after you spend all, all day at the show, you can step out to the beach and see the supermoon rise. That is a great idea. Go to the beach, see the supermoon rise. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and see and see Kimmy turn into a werewolf. That, that will happen. Watch it. I think your ears are getting pointy, Kimmy. I wonder, that explains it. Here we go, Kimmy, for this November 13th. It was on this date in 1789. Benjamin Franklin wrote a letter. He wrote it to a friend in which he said, In this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. Kimmy got it right. See, we're starting off quite well here, okay? And by the way, if you get more of these right than wrong, we will make sure you get lunch here at the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention. If you get, you know, if you go on the negative side, no lunch for you. Mm. No lunch, Kimmy. Okay. All right, here we go. It's on this date. Give me the year that a Viennese butcher invented a recipe and called it the Frankfurter. Within 50. 1920. Uh, ooh, uh, 1805. Oops. I guess there is no uh, lunch so far for you. You better get into the plus side. It was 1927. The Holland Tunnel opened to the public, providing access between New York City and New Jersey beneath the Hudson River. It was 1940. The Walt Disney movie Fantasia had its world premiere, and that was at the New York Broadway Theater. It was on this date. This might make up here, Kimmy. I'll give you the year. 1942. This United States president signed a measure lowering the minimum draft age from 21 to 18. Tell me the name of the president. Uh, FDR. That's correct. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. It was 1961. The Tokens released the song, The Lion Sleeps Tonight. Give me the year. Give me the group this is involved with, the music group. An animated movie called Yellow Submarine premieres in the United States within five. Give me the year and tell me the music group. That would be the Beatles. That's correct. Um, The year. Within five. Uh, 1969. Close, very close. 1968. So you're within the perimeter there. You might be. You might be getting a lunch, Kimmy. It's 1971. Three Dog Nights' old-fashioned love song was released. It was 1971. The United States spacecraft Mariner 9 became the first spacecraft to orbit around another planet. That was Mars. She thought I was going to ask that question. It's 1977. The comic strip Little Abner by Al Cap appeared in newspapers for the last time. 1982. The Vietnam Veterans Memorial was dedicated in Washington, D.C. It was 1987. Sonny and Somebody sang I Got You, Babe on the David Letterman Show. Tell me who Sonny sung with. Cher? That's correct. 
1987, they did that together. It was on this date in 1990, Madonna Video Collection, the Immaculate Collection, was released. It was 1991, Roger Clemens won his third Cy Young Award for the American League. It's 1997, Ray Charles conducted his first ever online chat. Hmm. 1997. Hmm. You do this one. I think you're going to win your lunch. You ready? Two-parter. 1998, this young lady signed a deal with St. Martin's Press for the North American rights to her story about her affair with a certain politician. Can you tell me who the politician was and who the young lady? Is that Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky? You got them both right, Kimmy. 2009, NASA announced that water had been discovered on the moon. Moving over to birthdays, Kimmy. Let's see if you can identify this mystery birthday person Born on this date in 1850. Died at the age of 44 in 1894. A Scottish novelist, poet, essayist, and travel writer. His most famous works are Treasure Island, Kidnapped, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and A Child's Garden of Verses. Can you tell me who he is? Robert Louis Stevenson. Unreal. You totally amaze me that you know who that is. See if you can identify this mystery birthday person. They died, by the way, the age of 67 in 2000. American television film and character actor known for his role as Burt Campbell in the sitcom Soap from 1977 to 1981. And later for starring in the series Empty Nest. He played Dr. Harry Weston from 1988 to 1995. Do you remember who he is? Richard Mulligan? Unreal. I'll give you a safety point there. If you miss the next one, you're... I, how did you get that? Oh. Kimmy is amazing. She's on a roll here. Kimmy, next one. You got safety here, okay? Tell me who this mystery birthday person is. He was known for creating Happy Days and its various spinoffs. He developed Neil Simon's 1965 play The Odd Couple for television he directed Pretty Woman, Runaway Bride, Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, Mother's Day, The Princess Diaries, and The Princess Diaries 2 Royal Engagement. Who is he? Um, no happy days without him. I don't know. No happy days without Gary Marshall. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Passed away this year, July 2016, at the age of 81. But you had a buffer there. I knew that. Whoopi Goldberg having a birthday today. How old is Whoopi? 60. I'll give you within five. Four. 61 she is today. Now, Kimmy, I will give you, uh, because I like you so much, <laughs> you know, anniversary thing at all. You have a cool as heck safety answer here. A get out of a jam kind of thing okay. if you need to use it for the next few questions okay mm -hmm. because i i'll have to tally here but you know lunch is on the line here at the daytona beach comic book convention Kimmy, here is the mystery birthday person he is known for his television roles he's known for detective mike logan on law and order from 1990 to 1995 mr big on sex in the city from 1998 to 2004 he also played on the good wife from 2009 to 2016, he reprised his role of Mike Logan on Law and Order, Criminal Intent from 2005 to 2008, and reprised his role of Mr. Big in the films Sex and the City 
2008, and Sex in the City 2, 2010. Who is he? I can see him, but I can't do his name. Do you wish to use the cool as heck get out of jail oh, thing? Oh, why not? I don't give a f- Are you f***ing me, Riley? Yeah, ask me this dumb f***ing question. Who f***ing cares? All right, moving to the next one, Kimmy. We will not answer that one because Kimmy, it's Kimmy's fault. She did not answer it. Next one, Kimmy, because you got to pass there on that one. Jimmy Kimmel having a birthday today within five years. How old is Jimmy Kimmel? 57. 49 today. Moving over to this mystery person. See if you can identify who it is and how old they are. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. He's a Scottish actor. Do you need any more? Yeah. Oh, okay. He's a Scottish actor who has appeared on film, stage, and television. He played in Lara Croft Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life, with Angelique Jolie in 2003. He's cast as the role of Eric the Phantom in Joel Schumacher's 2004 film adaptation of the musical The Phantom of the Opera. He played King Leonidas in Zack Snyder's film 300. Who is he? Um... I know this person. Kimmy, I have some highly articulated action figures in this house because of you and your love for him. I have posters of him as King Leonidas because of your love for him. I have seen that movie, I don't know how many times on IMAX alone, because of your love for him. I even watched a Dracula movie he made, which we didn't mention in his filmography. How soon we forget. And I watched a movie that he did about Beowulf, where he played Beowulf in a a version of Beowulf I have a feeling very few people have seen. Because of him, I heard his name mentioned I don't know how many times. And now he's forgotten. Kimmy, who is he? My gosh, I can't think of his name. Kimmy, you really like this guy. I, I mean, I, if he appeared at a convention... I'm so fickle. ...within the last five years, you would have went, oh, I gotta see blank. I don't know if you would now if he appeared at a convention. Who is he? Give me his first name. Gerard? Butler. Okay, Gerard Butler. How old is Gerard Butler within five today? 45. He's 47 years old today. Wow, Kimmy, I guess you do have lunch today. Any idea what you would like for lunch? Mm, Oh, how about a Frankfurter? Because today is when the Frankfurter was created in a way. How about a hot dog? Uh, No, thanks. You're not a hot dog kind of person? Well, all right, Kimmy will decide what she wants for lunch. But what we're going to do right now is we're going to honor something from the, well, from the Almanac with a golden age of radio. Radio And that's O'Reilly and Kimmy Show. Anytime we have the opportunity to go back in time, we have that excuse to uh, visit the golden age of radio. We do that. And because Robert Louis Stevenson was born on this date in history, I thought we would focus on something from Robert Louis Stevenson and also tie it to one of the best in the golden age of radio. One of the best examples, and that is Orson Welles. Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the Air did their version of Treasure Island. It's fantastic. And by the way, it's done three months before War of the Worlds, before history changes the Mercury Theater on the air and even Orson Welles' life. But Orson Welles is a big celebrity even before that War of the Worlds thing, and you will be able to tell that just by the opening of this episode. By the way, it is so cool, the opening, Orson does a little talk about Robert Louis Stevenson. 
just to hear that alone is, is worth spending some time with this. Please be forgiving for some of the sound quality. It was recorded a long time ago with technology that is nowhere near today. It was not meant to last that long. Matter of fact, they just archived this by probably accident, to be quite honest, um, because very few things were recorded and saved at that time period. We're very, very lucky to have survived the course of time. Here we go back in time to 1938. Here's Treasure Island with Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the air. Columbia Network takes pleasure in presenting Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the Air in the second of a unique new summer series of nine dramatic productions. The first time in its history that radio has brought to the country an entire theatrical institution. Columbia is proud to welcome Orson Welles to its roster of stars and to give him the opportunity of bringing to the air those same qualities of vitality and imagination that have made him the most talked of theatrical director in America today. Good evening. This is Orson Welles speaking. If there's anything bloodthirstier than a werewolf, it's a pirate. And the Mercury Theater is playing safe. Now, if vampires and their ilk leave you as uncannily cold as old Dracula himself, who was staked down firmly and it is to be hoped permanently in his own family plot last week, then there are figures to prove that you are susceptible to buried treasure. We calculate that no decent law-abiding citizen is immune to pirates. There are cowboys and Indians, there are gangsters and G-men, but these delights are inconstant like the short skirt. I don't care how young you are, nothing charms, nothing ingratiates, Nothing wins like a one-legged, double-barreled buccaneer with earrings, a handkerchief on his head, and a knife in his teeth. What could be more appropriate on the starboard rail of your four-masted brigantine? If you haven't a four-masted brigantine, you have Treasure Island. It's in your library because it's a great English classic, and this evening, because it's a great story, it's on your radio. That's what I mean by playing safe. Once there was a small boy who asked his stepfather, who had written a number of books, please to write something interesting. The stepfather, seeing his point, immediately contributed a serial to something repugnant called Young Folks, a periodical circulated among that section of the English nation known as Tiny Tots, who were very prevalent in the 80s. The name of the serial was The Sea Cook by Captain George North, and if the Tiny Tots didn't think it was interesting, they should have been boiled in oil. The story was begun, the stepfather says, on a chill September morning by the cheek of a brisk fire and the rain drumming on the window. The small boy himself helped a lot, even though Captain North got the credit, and so did a third and equally incurable small boy, the author's father. They drew a map first, the chart of an island showing very queer and wonderful attractions, Spyglass Shoulder, for instance, and Skeleton Island, and the North Cache with a bar silver, and then... On that chill September morning by that brisk fire of theirs, the three plotters buried their plunder, doubloons and louis d'or, gold and silver and rich jewels and pieces of eight. That's why the story was finally called Treasure Island. It's foolish to guess who's tuned in on this broadcast, but if in some way 
where we who were retelling this story hoped devoutly that he, who the Samoans laid to rest in the hills of their own faraway treasure island and who is still known out there only as the great teller of tales, would not wish tonight as he did so unaccountably at first to suppress the real name of Captain George North. The small boy, of course, should have been decorated. It's a better world because he asked for something interesting. But then he was lucky. There are millions and millions of small boys. But only one of us had Robert Louis Stevenson for a stepfather. Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson with Orson Welles as Long John Silver and as Jim Hawkins who tells the story. Treasure Island. Squire Trelawney, Dr. Livesey, and the rest of the gentlemen having asked me to write down the whole particulars about Treasure Island from the beginning to the end, keeping nothing back but the bearings of the island, and that only because there is treasure not yet lifted. I take up my pen in the year of grace, 1783, and go back to that time 19 years ago when my father kept the Admiral Benbow in and the brown old seaman with a saber cut first took up his lodging under our roof. I was 14, but I remember him as if it were yesterday. Mother called to me from upstairs. Jim? Yes, Mother? He came plodding to the inn door, his sea chest following behind him on a hand barrow. A tall, strong, heavy, nut-brown man, his tarry pigtail falling over the shoulders of his soiled blue coat, his hands ragged and scarred with black broken nails, and the saber cut across one cheek, a dirty, livid white, singing that old sea song that he sang so often afterwards. Admiral Benbow Inn, sir. Admiral Benbow, eh? Nice, lonely-looking, pleasant-situated grog shop. Folks don't come here much, do they, boy? Not much company? No, sir, more's pity. No? Well, then it's the birth for me. I'm a plain man, rum and bacon, eggs, all I want, and that head up there for the watch ships off. Never mind to stay here a bit. Here, you matey. You with a wheelbarrow. Bring up alongside, help up my chest. You two boys, heavy. Yes, sir. Call me Captain, boy. Captain. Yes, Captain. Just one thing more. Yes, Captain. You ain't seen him, have you? No, sir. Who do you mean? Along the road, maybe. You might have seen him somewhere, as you can't tell. Let me know if you do, boy. A seafaring man. Yes, sir. With one leg. Yes, sir. Captain! Yes, Captain. Bring me a nug and a rum, boy. And so he came to live under our roof. We never knew his name. We called him the Captain. He was a very silent man. By custom all day, he hung around the cove or upon the cliffs with a brass telescope staring out to sea. All evening he sat in a corner of the parlor next to the fire and drank rum and water very strong. 
And every day when he came back from his stroll, he would ask the same question. Jim? Yes, Captain? Did you see Ferrin men go by today along the road? No, Captain. And Jim? Yes, sir? You're a good boy, Jim. You wouldn't lie to me ever, would you, Jim? No, sir. You haven't seen him, have you, Jim? Jim, there's a silver folkney for you on the first of every month. If you keep your weather eye open for a seafaring man with one leg. Let me know the moment you see him, won't you, Jim? A seafaring man with one leg. How that personage haunted my dreams. On stormy nights when the wind shook the four corners of the house and the surf roared along the cove and up the cliffs, I could see him in a thousand forms. Now the leg would be cut off at the knee, now at the hip. Now he was a monstrous kind of a creature who had never had but one leg, and that in the middle of his body. Jim, not a penny as he paid us since the day he came here. And me, a poor widow woman. Mother, why don't you ask him for some? Well, I'll tell you the truth, Jim. I'm afraid to ask him. I'm afraid of the man. Now, if your father was... In all that time, none of us ever saw him open the great sea chest that was in his room. There were nights when he took a deal more rum and water than his head could carry. Often I heard the house shaking and all the neighbors joining in for dear life. them all to listen to his stories. Dreadful stories they were about hanging and walking the plank and storms at sea and the dry tortigas and wild deeds in places on the Spanish main. By his own account, he must have lived his life among some of the wickedest men that God ever allowed upon the sea. The captain had been living with us almost a year when there occurred the first of the mysterious events that rid us at last of his presence. It was one January morning, very early, a pinching, frosty morning. The captain had risen earlier than usual and set down the beach with his telescope under his arm. My mother was upstairs and I was lying the breakfast table against the captain's return when the parlor door opened and a stranger stepped in. Sonny, come here, Sonny. Is this table for my mate, Bill? I don't know you, mate, Bill. I'm laying this for a man who stays in the house. We call him the captain. Well, my mate, Bill, would be called the captain, like as not. Now, we'll put it for argument, like, that your captain's got a cut on one cheek. And we'll put it, if you like, that that cheek's the right one, eh? Well, God save me, there he is now. There's my mate, Bill. That's him with a spyglass under his arm. Bless his old heart, to be sure. You and me will just get back behind the door, Sonny. 
And we'll give Bill a little surprise, we will. Bless his heart, I says again. Thunder a week! I can't do that! They'll have the black spot on me by then! 
The lovers is going about getting the wind to be this blessed moment. The lovers just couldn't keep what they got. And one a nail was another's. It's... It's in my old sea chest, Jim. The thing thereafter. They'll tip me the black spot. I know it. I was first mate, I was. Old Flint's first mate. And I'm the only one as knows the place he buried it. He gave it me at Savannah when he lay a-dying. What's the black spot, Captain? A summons from old Flint's crew. A summons. And them as gets it, Jim, is lucky when they're dead. went by, and then, about three o'clock of a bitter, foggy, frosty afternoon, I saw someone drawing slowly near along the road. He was plainly blind, for he tapped before him with a stick, and he wore a great green shade over his eyes and nose, and he was hunched as if with age or weakness, and wore a huge old tattered sea cloak with a hood. Christian friends, take pity on a poor blind mariner as has lost the precious sight of his eyes in the gracious defense of his native country, England, and God bless King George, where or in what part of his country he may now be. You are at the Admiral Benbow Inn, sailor. Eh? Black Hill Cove. I hear a voice, a young voice. It's here where I miss me delights. Will you give me your hand, my kind young friend, and lead me into the captain? I held up my hand, and the horrible, soft-spoken, eyeless creature gripped it in a moment like a vice. Now, boy, take me into the captain. Sir, upon my word, I dare not. You been... heard me. Take me in strike. Oh! Will you take me into the captain? Yes, sir. Good. And when I'm in view... Say to him, he's a friend for you, Bill Bones. If you don't, I'll twist your arm right out of your body. Do you hear? Yes, sir. Stash, you bastard, damn you. Now, forward march. Here's a friend for you, Bill Bones. Now, Bill, sit where you are. Business is business. Hold out your left hand, Bill. Boy, take his left hand by the wrist and bring it near to my right. Here's a little bit of paper for you, Bill Bones. <laughs> Now that's done, I'll be going. Goodbye, Bill. Goodbye.
Jim? Yes, Captain. What time is it, Jim? Ten o'clock. Ten o'clock. Ten o'clock, six hours. We'll deader them yet, Pew and Black Dog and Long John Silver. The whole crew of them will. Captain. 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 The captain was dead. And there we were, my mother and I, a woman and a boy of 14, alone at night in the house with the dead captain's body on the parlor floor. This money he does. A whole year, never a penny from him. And me, a poor widow. But, Mother, if Black Dog comes back, or the blind man... Black Dog, fiddlesticks. There's something in that old chest of his upstairs that's rightfully mine. And we'll have that chest open if we die for it. Mother. Close the blinds, Jim. We don't want anybody watching us from the outside. We have to get the key off. Look, Mother. Look. On the floor, close to the dead man's hand, there was a little round of paper blackened on one side. The black spot. I took it up and found... You have till ten tonight. Four hours. Now, Jim, find that key. I felt in his pockets one after another. Perhaps it's round his neck. Get open his shirt. There, sure enough, hanging on a bit of tarry string, we found the key. Then my mother got a candle in the bar, and holding each other's hands, we went upstairs to his room. Give me the key, Jim. Now then... Nothing in here. Not a thing of value. Not a penny. Mother, look. There, before us, lay the last things in the chest. A bundle tied up in oilcloth looking like papers. And a canvas bag that gave forth at a touch the jingle of gold. You see, Jim? I knew we'd find it. But I'll show these rogues that I'm an honest woman. I'll have me do another farthing over. Here. Here, Jim. Hold this bag. The coins were of all countries and sizes. Doubloons and Louis d'Or and guineas and pieces of eight. Mother. What is it, Jim? Mother, listen. Mother. Mother, take the hole and let's be gone. No, I'll have to do, Jim, and no more. But, Mother, you heard him. That was the blind man. I know what I'm doing. I know the right. But, Mother, you don't know. Oh, dear. I'll take what I have. And I'll take this. These papers. Quick, Mother, quick. Take my hand. Next moment, we had opened the door and were in full retreat toward the village. Look, Jim. Over the hill. There they come. Run, Mother, run. Oh, Jim. Jim, I'm going to faint. Oh, Jim. Take the money and go on. Mother. Oh. Mother. She had fainted. I managed somehow to drag her down the bank into the shadow of the ditch. A moment later, the house was surrounded. Burns! Burns! Bill Burns! 
It was a good thing my mother had fainted or she would have had to watch with me while our poor house was pulled apart and smashed. Whatever it was they were after, they did not find it. Well, 
No, if Jim is agreeable, we'll open the package. Hmm. A map in Ireland with latitude and longitude and writing. Tall tree, spyglass shoulder, bearing a point to the north of northeast. Skeleton Island, southeast by east, ten feet. The bar silver is in the north camp. And James, you'll give up this wicked practice at once. Tomorrow, I start for Briscoe. In three weeks' time, three weeks, two weeks, ten days, we'll have the best ship, sir, and the choicest crew in England. Hawkins shall come as cabin boy. You live the ship's doctor. I am Admiral. I'll go with you, Squire. So will Jim. And there'll be a credit to the undertaking. There's only one man I'm afraid of. Who's that? Name the dog, sir. You, sir. For you can't hold your tongue. moments we shall be bound for Treasure Island with Dr. Lindsay, Squire Trelawney, and Jim Hawkins. We pause now for station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. WABC, New York. Tonight, the Columbia Network is bringing you Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the air in Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island. As Jim Hawkins was telling us, we are eager to leave the Venbo Inn behind and set out for the docks in Bristol. It was longer than the squire imagined ere we were ready for the sea. Weeks passed on then. One fine day there came a letter from the squire, from Bristol. Here lives it. The ship is more than fitted. Lies at anchor ready for sea. It was the crew that delayed me till the most remarkable stroke of fortune brought me the very man that I required. I was standing on the dock when by the merest accident I fell in talk with him. He had hobbled down there that morning with a parrot on his shoulder to get a smell of salt, he said. Out of pure pity, I engaged him on the spot to be ship's cook. Long John Silver, he is called, and has lost the leg. Well, sir, I thought I'd only found a cook, but it was a crew I'd discovered. Between Silver and myself, we got together in a few days a company of the toughest old salt imaginable. I declare we could fight the frigate. See what ho! Hang the treasure! It's the glory of the sea that is turned my head! On the 16th of April, the schooner Hispaniola set sail from Bristol Harbor. It was more than 19 years ago, but I can remember it. As if it were yesterday. Me and my new blue cabin boys. Were Nineteen years ago. Leaning over the rail, waving goodbye to my mother. And doing my best not to cry. For at the last moment, it sort of hurt to leave her. And it was the first time I had been away from home. Then, a little before noon, Captain Smollett gave an order. The boatswain sounded his pipe. And the crew began to man the capstan bar. Soon, the anchor was short up. Soon it was hanging dripping at the bars. Soon the sail began to draw, and the land and shipping to slip by on either side. The Hispaniola had begun her voyage to the Isle of Treasure. On the second day out, I made the acquaintance of our one-legged ship's cook, Long John Silver. Hey there, boy. Come in. 
Good morning to Long John Skelly. To tell you the truth, at the very first mention of Long John Silver in the squire's letter, I had taken a fear in my mind that this might be the very one-legged sailor that I had watched for all those months at the Benbow Inn. But one look at him was enough. I'd seen Captain Bones and Black Dog and Blind Pew, and I knew what a buccaneer looked like. Very different from this clean and pleasant-looking sea cook. His left leg was cut off close to the hip, and under the left shoulder he carried a crutch, which he managed wonderfully, hopping about on it like a bird. Oh, this is a face! This is a face! This is a face! Are you Mr. Silver, sir? Yes, me lad, such is me name to be sure. And you're Hawkins, eh? Nobody more welcome than yourself, me lad, in old John's galley. <laughs> Sit down, hear the news. Your first trip to sea, Hawkins? Yes, sir. Well, well. Well, there's a lot of things you're going to learn before this year voyage is over. What do you think, Hawkins? And if there's anything you want to know, Hawkins, you just come to old John Silver and ask him, see? He'll tell you. His galley was as clean as a new pin. The dishes hanging up burnished, and his parrot in a cage in one corner. Here's Captain Flint. I call my parrot Captain Flint. Yeah, the parrot, that's the famous buccaneer. Here's Captain Flint, predicting success down void. Wasn't you, Captain? Uh, this is a very... <laughs> Yeah, she's a powerful old bird, is Captain Flint. Two hundred years old, if she's a day, and if anybody's seen more wickedness, it must be the devil himself. She sailed with England, the great Captain England, the pirate, on the old walrus, Flint's old ship. As I've seen a muck with the red blood and fit to sink with gold. She's been at Madagascar and at Malibar and Suriname and Providence and Portobello. To look at her, you'd think she was a baby, Hawkins, but... You smell powder, haven't you, Captain? Yeah, stand by to go by. And blood, eh, Captain? Put her amidships. hands. And pieces of aid, eh, Captain? Pieces of aid. Pieces of aid. Pieces of aid. Pieces of aid. At the end of the third week, we left Madeira behind us. The ship proved to be a good ship. The crew seemed to be capable seamen. There was only one man aboard who was not satisfied, and that was the ship's master, Captain Smollett. I'll speak plain. I don't like it. I don't like this cruise. I don't like the men. I don't like me officers. That's short and sweet. But nobody paid much attention to him. Every man on board seemed well content. Double grog was served on the least excuse. There was duff on odd days, and always a barrel of apples standing broached in the waist. For anyone to help himself that had a fancy. Never knew good come of it yet. Spoil folks' lands, make devils. That's my belief. We're not home again yet. But good did come of that apple barrel. It was about the last day of our outward voyage. Sometime that night, or at latest before noon of the morrow, we should sight the treasure island. Just after sundown, when all my work was over, I thought I should like an apple. I ran on deck. The watch was all wo- all forward, looking out for the island. I got into the apple barrel. Suddenly, I heard voices on deck. Look here, barbecue. How long are we going to stand off and on like a blessed bamboo? Why, Sunday, I want to go into that cabin, I do. I want their pickles and wine and that. How long? By the powers, the last moment I can manage, and that's how long. How many tall ships, think you, have I seen laid aboard? And how many brisk lads drying in the sun at execution dock. And all for this same hurry, and hurry, and hurry. He's a first-rate seaman, Captain Smollett. 
thing of the blessed ship for us. It all seemed aboard here, I oh, should All folks are lands, you mean. I know the sort you are. You're never happy till you're drunk. It's your love, John. I don't know what this treasure is, do I? No more to use as you. And here's this squire and doctor with a map and such. Well, then I mean this squire and doctor shall find the treasure for us and help us to get it aboard by the powers. After that... After that... What do we do with them, Don Silver, after that? Well, what would you think we does with them? Put them ashore like maroons? Or cut them down like that much pork? Duty is duty, mate. Wait. Wait is what I says. When the time comes, why? Let her rip. What's that? What's that? Treasure Island. Ten minutes later, we were gathered in the cabin. The squire, Dr. Livesey, the captain, and myself. Now, Hawkins, you have something to say. Speak up. I did as I was bid. I told them the whole story of Silver's conversation. When that was done, all three, one after another, and each with a bow, drank my good health. Then the squire rose. Captain Smollett, you were right and I was wrong. I own myself an ass. I await your orders, sir. Silver is a remarkable man. Here's the way I see it. We must go on because we can't turn back. And what I propose is that we don't wait for them to surprise us, but that we come to blows at our own time and when they least expect it. There must be some faithful ends left. Well, we must find out who they are. Jim Shear can help us more than anyone. The men are not shy with him, and Jim is a noticing lad. Hawkins, I put prodigious faith in you. In the meantime, talk as we please. There were only seven out of 26 on whom we knew we could rely. And of these seven, I was a boy. So that the grown men on our side were six to their 19. Next morning, there was not a breath of air moving, nor a sound, but that of the surf booming half a mile away along the beaches. A peculiar stagnant smell hung over the anchorage. The heat was sweltering. And the men grumbled fiercely over their work. Mutiny, it was plain, hung over us like a thundercloud. Around noon, Captain Smollett came up on deck. Hey, we're not dame, we're all trying not a sort. Quick turn ashore and let nobody. So you can take the gig. As many as please may go ashore for the afternoon. Hey! Hey, hey wait a bit, wait a bit, Ben. What's the arrow? Silver suspected a trick. He hopped around the deck on his one leg. Soon the party was organized. Six fellows were to stay on board, and thirteen, including Silver, began to embark. Suddenly, I had a mad notion to go ashore too. In a jiffy, I had slipped over the side and curled up in the foresheets of the nearest boat. No one took notice of me. The crews raced for the beach. No sooner had we touched shore than I leaped out and plunged into the nearest thicket. Behind me, I could hear John Silver's voice. Hey, Jim! Jim, my boy! Hey, Jim! 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 
John Silver was quick at his work. Two faithful members of the crew were murdered on the island that afternoon. Only an hour after we landed... I saw with my own eyes. From where I lay hidden among the trees. Will you tell me you let yourself be led away with that kind of a message? Swamp. As soon as God sees me, I do lose my hand and turn to give me due. Mate, it's because I think gold dust of you. Gold dust. John Silver, you're mate of mine no more. If I die like a dog, I'll die in me duty. You've killed Alan, have you? Kill me too if you can. But I defy you. He started to walk away. Try this then. Long John whipped the crutch out of his armpit and sent it hurtling through the air. It struck him in the back and killed him. Then, Silver brought out a whistle. I didn't wait. I ran. I ran as I never ran before. of a hill. Far above me, I saw something leap behind the trunk of a tree. It seemed dark and shaggy. I turned and began to run. Suddenly, a thing appeared in front of me, and running forward, threw itself on its knees before me, and held out its clasped hands and supplicated. Oh! 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 Who are you? I'm poor Ben Don, I am. I haven't spoke with Christian these three years. Three years? Uh, Were you shipwrecked? No. No, mate. Maroon. Three years. Lived on both since then, and berries and oysters. Mate, my heart is sore for Christian diet. You mightn't happen to have a piece of cheese about you now. No? Well, many's a night I've dreamed of cheese. Toasted, mostly. And woke up again, and here I was. What'd you call yourself, mate? Jim. Jim? Jim, Jim. Well, now, Jim, you wouldn't think. You wouldn't think I was rich to look at me, would you now? I know not in particular. Oh, well, but I am, Jim. I'm rich, rich, powerful rich. Oh, Jim, you'll bless your stars, you will. You were the first that found me. Suddenly his eye fell on the Hispaniola lying far below us. Between it and the land was the jolly boat with five men moving toward shore. But I could not tell if they were our men or the mutineers. Jim, tell me true. That ain't Flint's ship. It's not Flint's ship and Flint is dead. There are some of Flint's hands aboard, worse luck to the rest of us. Not a man with one leg. Silver. Woo! If you were sent for Long John, oh! I'm as good as pork, I know it. I was in Flint's ship with John Silver when old Flint buried the treasure. He and six along, six strong seamen. They was ashore nigh on a week. And then one day, here come Flint by himself in a little boat, and the six all dead. Dead and buried along with the treasure. How he done it, not a man of us could make out. I told him the purpose of our voyage and the predicament in which we now found ourselves. Oh, that long John, he's a bad one. And you're all in a clove hitch, ain't you? Well, you just put your trust in Ben Gunn. Ben Gunn's the man to help you. You tell that to your squire, Jim. Ben Gunn's the man, that's what you say. And Ben Gunn says you has ideas of his own. Ah! Look at that. Far below us, we saw a Union Jack fluttering in the air above the woods. There's your friend, sure enough. More likely, it's mutineer. No, mate, Silver'd fly the Jolly Roger. That's your friend, sure enough, ashore in the old stockade made years and years ago by Flint. Whoa! What's that? 
That's the ship's cannon. They're shooting at the stockade. Come on. Wait a minute, Jim. Wait. Ben Gunn is flying. Drum wouldn't bring me down there. But remember, Jim, Ben Gunn's the man to help you. And when Ben Gunn is wanted, you know where to find him. Just where you found him today. I started to run towards the flag. Hey, Jim! Jim! Yes, sir? <laughs> you won't forget that piece of cheese, will you, mate? <laughs> Less than a mile to the stockade. It was heavy running through the woods. The shooting was getting louder. Suddenly before me, I saw a clear smoke of musket fired nearby. Hey there! Go, sir! Hey, don't shoot, it's me! Who's me? Me, Jim Hawkins! It's A moment later, I was over the stockade among my friends. And soon afterwards, the firing ceased. The mutineers were saving their powder. The stockade was a good place, with a paling six feet high all around it. We could have held it against the regiment. And here Captain Smollett decided to stay and await our enemy's next move. I told Dr. Livesey and the squire about Ben Gunn. Hey! Drag it through! Drag it through! Who's that? It's Silver. Keep indoors, men. Tell the one this is a trick. Who goes? Stand we fire. Drag it through. Doctors, watch on the lookout. Dr. Livesey, take the north side if you please. Yes. Jim, the east. Gray, west. The watch below, all hands salute muskets. Lively men and careful. What do you want with your flag of truth? Captain Silver, sir, come to my terms. Captain Silver, why, you black-hearted scoundrel? Silence. If you wish to talk to me, you can come, and that's all. If there's any treachery, it'll be on your side, and the Lord help you. That's enough, Captain. The word from you's enough. I know a gentleman, and you may lay to that. You'd better sit down. Uh, ain't it gonna let me inside, Captain? It's a main cold morning, to be sure, sir, to sit outside upon the sand. Ah, oh, there's Jim, the top of the morning, dear Jim. Well, then you're all together like a happy family in a manner speaking. If you've anything to say, my man, better say it. Right you were, Captain Smollett. Duty is duty, to be sure. Well, here it is. We want that treasure. We'll have it. That's our point. You just soon save your lives, I reckon, and that's yours. You have a chart, haven't you? That's as maybe. Oh, well, you have. I know that. What I mean is, we want your chart. You give us the chart to get the treasure by... And I'll give you my affidavit upon my word of honor to clap you somewhere safe ashore. Is that all you have to say? Every last word by thunder. Refuse that and you've seen the last of me but musket ball. Very good. Now you'll hear me. If you'll come up one by one, unarmed, I'll engage to clap you all in irons and take you home to a fair trial in England. If you won't, as my name's Alexander Smollett, I've flown Miss Sovereign's colors and I'll see you all to Davy Jones. You can't find the treasure. You can't sail the ship. And you can't fight us. I stand here and tell you so. And at the last good word you'll get from me. Now, help me, lad. <laughs> laugh. <laughs> <laughs> laugh, my thunder, laugh. Or an hour doubt, you'll laugh on the other side. And then the die will be the lucky ones. <laughs>
later, nothing remained of the attacking party but the five who had fallen. Four on the inside and one on the outside of the palisade. The mutineers did not come back that night. They had got their rations, as the captain put it. The next day was stifling hot. After dinner, Dr. Livesey sent for me. Uh, Jim, was it cheese you said Ben Gunn had a fancy for? Yes, sir, cheese. Well, Jim, uh, just see the good that comes of being dainty in your food. You've seen my snuff box, haven't you? And you never saw me take snuff. The reason being that in my snuff box I carry a piece of Parmesan cheese. A cheese made in Italy. Very nutritious. Well, that's for Ben Gunn. Oh, goodbye, my lad. Then he took up his hat and pistols, girt on his cutlass, put the chart in his pocket, and set off briskly through the trees. That afternoon, the blockhouse being stifling hot, and the little patch of sand inside the palisade ablaze with midday sun, and so much blood about me, and so many poor dead bodies lying around, a new idea came into my head. This was to swim out under cover of the night, cut the Hispaniola adrift, and let her go ashore where she fancied mutineers after their repulse of the morning had nothing nearer their hearts than to up anchor and away to sea. This, I thought, would be a fine thing to prevent. It was evening when I reached the east coast of the island. I could see the Hispaniola lying at anchor offshore. And there was the Jolly Roger, the black flag of piracy, flying from her peak. As the last rays of daylight dwindled and disappeared, absolute darkness settled down on Treasure Island. night I was back on land. I was proud of myself, and with good reason. I had grounded the Hispaniola, beached her up tidily in the north inlet with no harm done, safe from the mutineers. I had no trouble finding the stockade. Coming in from the shore, keeping close in shadow where the darkness was thickest, I crept into the blockhouse. I could see nothing. The doctor and the squire must have worried about me. I should lie down in my own place, I thought and enjoy their faces when they found me in the morning. I felt for a place to lie down. Pieces of eight! Pieces of eight! Help Pieces of eight! Help now! Bring a torch, Dick! Well, well, shiver my timbers, Jim Hawkins. Dropped in like that. Eh? Quite a pleasant surprise for poor old John. I've always liked you when I have Jim for a lad of spirit. I picked him my own self when I was young and handsome. I always wanted you to join my camp and take your share and die a gentleman. And now, my cock, you've got to. You can't go back to your own lot. Where are they? Now, where do you think, my son? Have you killed them? What do you think? Well, I'm not such a fool, but I know pretty well what I have to look for. But there's a thing or two I have to tell you. And the first is this. Here you are in a bad way. Ship lost, treasure lost, men lost. And if you want to know who did it, it was I. I was in the apple barrel the night we sighted land. And I heard you, John, and you, Dick Johnson, and Hans, who is now at the bottom of the sea, and told every word you said before the hour was out. And as for the schooner, it was I who cut her cable. And it was I who brought her where you'll never see her more, not one of you. I no more fear you than I fear a fly. I'll put one to that and here go, you sneaking son of a scum. Who are you, Tom Morgan? Maybe you thought you was captains here, perhaps. Did any of you gentlemen want to have it out with me? 
him that wants it shall get it. You won't find him by Thunder Yellow Bay. You may lie to it. I like that boy now. Never seen a better boy than that. He's more a man than any pair of ratty in this here house. What I see is this. Let me see him that'll lay a hand on him. That's what I see. And you may lie to it. Hmm. Seems to have a lot to say. Pipe up and let me hear it. A lie too. What? We we got something for you, Jordan. Step up, I won't bite you. Hand it over, lover. The black spot. I thought so. What's on it? Deposed. Deposed, that's it, is it? Uh, Very pretty wrote, to be sure. Like print, I swear. But it ain't one bit prettier wrote than this. What's that? And what does it look like, lads? A chart, that's what it is. A chart. A chart of this island, old French chart. Now, what do you say to that? Yes, that's French, sure enough. That's it. Shire, and a clovage to it. So he done ever. Silver's the man. Silver. Silver about Captain Lane. Barbecue forever. I'll be due for Captain. Silver, Captain That was the end of the night's business. Only much later, I woke up suddenly and felt someone beside me. Jim. Jim, my boy. Yes, Long John? I saved your life here tonight, Jim. Now, you and me stick close, Jim, back to back like in case of trouble. And talking of trouble, Jim, why did those friends of yours leave that shot behind when they cleared out of here? They did, though. I... I came in here this morning and found the place empty and the chart lying there on the table where I couldn't miss it. And there's something under that. Something under that. Good or bad. The next morning we set out after the treasure. Tall tree, spyglass shoulder, bearing a point to the north and northeast. Skeleton Island, east, southeast, and by east. Ten east. Hey, over there! Come quick! At the foot of a pine, half covered with green creeper, a human skeleton lay on the ground. A skeleton, by God! It lay perfectly straight, the feet pointing in one direction, the hands raised above its head like a diver's, pointing directly in the opposite. It ain't natural. It ain't natural, but you know, lads, I have a notion in my old numb skull now. Here's the compass. There's the tip-top point of Skeleton Island sticking out like a tooth. Just take a bearing, will you, along the line of them bones? East, southeast, and by east. I thought so. There's a pointer. Right up there's our line for the pole star and the jolly dollars. This is one of French jokes, and no mistake. Him and these six was alone here. Alone. He killed them. Every man. And this one yawled up here and laid down by the compass. Yes. Six they were... And six we are. And bones is what they are now. I saw him dead, old Flint. There he laid with penny pieces on his eyes. Dead, I sure enough he's dead. But if ever spirit walked, it'd be Flint's. Dear heart, but he died bad, did Flint. Oh, I bet he did. Uh, may not it were. And the wind he was open, and I hear that old song of his coming out clear as hell. And the death all on man already. Fishing. <laughs>
things lost were to backboard. Oh, Lord, have mercy on it. Shipmates! Shipmates! A 750,000 ton, not a quarter of a mile from here. When did a gentleman of fortune show his star to that much dollars for a booty old seaman with a blue mug? An imp dead, too. Delay there, John. Don't you cross his feet. Smell it? Well, maybe. You know, you know whose voice that was? It was like a somebody else's. It was like a... <laughs> By the powers! Ben Gunn! I? I...
to Treasure Island, starring Orson Welles as Long John Silver in his own radio version of Stevenson's Great Adventure Story. This is the second in a series of nine special broadcasts presented by the Mercury Theater. And here is Orson Welles himself, writer, director, and star of these programs, to tell you about next week's production. Orson Welles. First of all, I'd like you to meet Jim Hawkins, Jr. Our leading man is 14 years old. Last season, he made a really startling contribution to the stage history of Shakespeare's plays. This was during the course of some experiments with the Mercury Theater sprinkler system. As a consequence of what must certainly have been extensive research in that field, he caused it to rain, actually to rain, and copiously to rain, where in more than 300 years it has never rained in Julius Caesar before. It rained on Brutus. It rained all over Brutus in the Forum. I was Brutus, and I ought to know. Now, as dramatic criticism, I found this telling and even final. As a surprise item in the funeral scene, I can assure you that the unexpected appearance on the stage of so many gallons of real water created in us all an impression that was almost overwhelming. Our popular leading man says that he did it all with a match. I don't dare think what he'll do. He's old enough to run for president, but meanwhile, no matter what happens to the plumbing, he can always work for the mercury, as you've probably discovered he's something more than a very gifted performer, and as I told you, he's something less than 15. His name shall not be withheld. I refer to that fine old actor, Arthur Anderson. Mr. Anderson is not new to the microphone nor the mercury. He was prominent in Shoemaker's Holiday and in Julius Caesar as Brutus's boy, Jeeves, the sleepy-eyed, silver-throated Lucius in Brat Buttons. He was at least unforgettable. As to our celebrated Mark Antony, George Coluris, who was always somehow cleverly escaped Rainmaker Anderson, he played Captain Smollett tonight. Eustace Wyatt, late housebreaker of Heartbreak House, was the squire. Ray Collins is responsible for Ben Gunn, among other things. And that was Alfred Shirley as Blind Pew. Then you heard Stephen Fox and Agnes guess what she played, Moorhead, and a Mercury Roundup, William Allen and Richard Wilson inclusive. Jim Hawkins Sr. will bear no comment. Next week... We offer you the ominous and authentic click of the world's most famous knitting needles. Madame Lafarge's needles and Madame herself. Dr. Manette, Sidney Carton, and the entire French Revolution, same time, same station. It is a far, far better thing that I do than I've ever done. Charles Dickens, that is correct. That is absolutely correct. Charles Dickens' Tale of Two Cities. There is at this moment a disturbance in the sub-control room, and if it isn't a tumbrel, it's Arthur Anderson. It's a good thing the program's over. Good night, everybody. Thanks. Please write me stories you'd like to hear and goodbye till next week if you enjoyed that golden age of radio production be sure to follow the riley and kimmy show we feature old-time radio shows from time to time we have archived episodes available right now on our website at rileyandkimmy.com some of them have old-time radio episodes on them please tell your friends about the riley and kimmy show help us grow our social media links are available on our website at rileyandkimmy.com that's r-i-l-e-y and kimmy k-i-m-m-y dot com if you friend follow and like us we will friend and follow you back also be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy show. Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.